But you know, it's been a, it's been quite a week. And I've been thinking about this as we're, as we're closing out this, this series in Psalms and we're looking at Psalm 145. I'm, I'm convinced that the message that, that we have today is a message that is needed for this specific season. And I, I, you know, I don't always have that clarity. And you're like, oh, you should always know exactly that this is, I, I don't always know that God doesn't always reveal that to me. But man, through a variety of ways, I, I really believe that this message is, is on time just for what we need today. You see, I, I'm, I'm convinced that, that what we need in days of uncertainty is not just knowing things about God. I think it's important that we actually know God, know God. That, I think it's important. In fact, how many of you guys have heard of, of speed dating? Anybody ever hear of speed dating? Right? Okay. So, so let me just say this before I say anything about speed dating. I'm not morally opposed to speed dating. If you met your spouse through speed dating, praise the Lord. I'm really happy for you. Nothing, but, but, but let me just explain where, where I'm going. Speed dating is this deal where a bunch of single people show up and there are several tables set up. And before, you know, they got the guys and the girls before the evening is over, all of the guys and the girls in the room have got to meet the other guys and the girls in the room. And what you do is you have anywhere between, depending on the, you know, how many people show up, three to eight minutes with the person, you're sitting across the table, you're asking some questions, you have three to eight minutes to get to know this person to some degree, and, and you know the bell rings, and then you go on to the next table, bell rings, you go on to the next table, and you kind of rotate around until you walk away. And the, the point of speed dating is this, maybe there's something, maybe there is something that, that will spark your interest, and you're like, hey, I wanna follow up with that person after this whole thing's over, okay? No, nothing wrong with speed dating. But here's the thing, let's just be honest. At the end of a night, you go to get to know, you, you, you show up to, to, to get to know a few things about a person. How many of you though would say that when you leave, you actually know the other person? You don't, right? It's just a first step towards that. Now, I've got, a, I've got another illustration. How many of you, and, and by the way, even if your spouse isn't with you, I want you to answer this question. How many of you have been married 30 years or more? I want you to stand up. If you've been married 30 years or more, I want you to stand up. All right? All right, 30 years or more. Hey, this is awesome, man. This is great. All right? This is good. Okay, keep, remain standing. How many of you have been married 40 years or more? Remain standing. 40 years or more, remain standing. Come on, man, I like this. This is good. Okay, we're gonna thin the herd 50 years or more. 50 years or more. Oh, man. Okay, man, now, now we're getting there. 55 years or more. 55 years. Oh, man, they're still standing. Okay, here, here we go. 60 years or more. Hey, we've got a winner, the Millers. Oh, you may be seated. I wish I, I should have like had a prize for you or something. It didn't even cross my mind. I just... Okay, so, so here the, the, the Millers are saying they, they've been married over 60 years. If you need marriage advice, perhaps, don't go to a person that just got married yesterday. Maybe see them. <laughs> and I, I'll guarantee you, if I ask Bob, and, and Bob, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if I ask Bob, I said, man, what have you learned about your wife over the last 60 plus years 
he's going to be able to give me a good answer. It's not that he just knows a few things about his wife, the, the things that he knew before they got married. I'll guarantee you that Bob Miller is going to be able to tell He knows, he knows his wife. You see, knowledge comes from a relationship, but a depth of knowledge comes with an ongoing relationship. And you're like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Here's the deal. Psalm 145 is the last psalm that, that is recorded here in, in Scripture that was written by King David. Now, we don't know if chronologically it was the very last psalm he composed that's included here. We don't, we don't know that because the, the psalms aren't necessarily you know, in chronological order. But what we do know from reading Psalm 145 is that he is an old man when he writes these words. And what he's doing is he's actually writing a song of praise, but what you're going to see, it's actually a testimony. And, and you know what a testimony is? A testimony is when you're actually testifying to something you found to be true. He's going to testify to us this morning what he has learned about God and what, what we're going to see. It's not that he just knows a few things about God. As we read through Psalm 145, we're going to find out that on a deep, personal, intimate basis, he knows God. And here's what, here's what an old man leaves us with. Psalm 145, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Oh, the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. That word's showing up time and time again. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And I want to pause here because what I'm going to do, I want you to keep your Bibles open. As we're working through this, I just want to, to say, let's, let's think about what he's saying. What, what, what King David is saying after, after decades of walking with the Lord, first of all, is this, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. He's found out that God can do anything. He's found out, here's what I know, God can do anything. Now to use Bob as an example again, use the Millers as an example, if I, if I ask Bob, can your wife do anything? He's probably, one thing he knows, she can't do everything. If I ask her, I know for a fact, she's gonna say, yeah, Bob can't do everything. You know, there are some things we, we learn, but, but, but here's what David is testifying to. He said, here's what I found after decades of walking with God, God can do anything. And what he does, he first appeals to creation. Creation declares the greatness of God. Now, here's the deal. I was raised in Indiana, okay? Like, like if you're here and you're raised in Indiana, praise God. We're like the few Hoosiers here in the state of Idaho, but we're here. I'm gonna be honest with you, I love Indiana, but it's a good place to be from, okay? I'm just saying. Like there's never been a time when I'm, when I'm out, out and about the sawtooths that I've ever thought, you know, I would rather be in Indiana looking at cornfields. I just never, never, ne that's never crossed my mind. What I love about living in Idaho, 
I don't know what, it just seems like God spent a little more time out west. You know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, I'm gonna just spend a little more time out here. Like, I'm just gonna like smooth things out in the middle. Like, it's gonna be flat where you can see for like miles, but out here, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna spend some time. And I love, I love living out here. And I'm gonna tell you, even an atheist who, who goes to Redfish Lake, for example, and, and, and just looks, man, it's beautiful. Or maybe hikes past uh, up there, you know, there's that hidden like this out, past that, 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 that shows up there. You know, I, I can't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust his intellectual honesty. If, if he, he doesn't at least think there's gotta be a creator. This stuff just doesn't happen. Even creation speaks of the glory of God. There are times I'll, I'll be driving down Karcher and, you know, for right now, I can still see some sky driving down Karcher, you know what I'm saying? And, and it'll be one of those beautiful, beautiful sunsets and, and my, my kids will be on their phones or whatever. And I'm like, okay, everybody has to put their phone down. God is showing off. Let's appreciate it. There's something about creation. It testifies to God's greatness. And can, by the way, can I just say this? Here's what I love. What we, when I say the best is yet to come, I mean it. Because what we're seeing, the beauty of God, even now that he reveals, this is after the fall took place. He's actually working on a new heaven and a new earth. It's gonna be amazing. It testifies to the greatness of God. But it's, it's not just that, that, that we, we look to creation. We can actually look back and we can see what God has done. How many of you have seen God do something that anybody else would say was impossible? You've seen God show up and do an impossible thing. Raise your hand. If you've seen God do an impossible situation, hands all over the place. If your hand wasn't raised, I'm just telling you, maybe you need to hear a testimony from an old man because God can do anything. Listen, I'm not an old man, but I've seen God do some impossible things. I still remember, it was, it was about nine years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. A lady had, had cancer. They'd given her two weeks to live. We went and prayed for her. She went in for a scan. It was either the next, way, next day or a couple other days. And literally, she was cancer-free. Like, like overnight, it was gone. Don't tell me that God can't do anything. Now, I've also seen people go through tragic circumstances. Tragic times. And they don't understand, God, why didn't you do what you did for that lady? Why didn't you heal? Why did you allow this happen? And yet I've seen God show up and do the impossible. I, I still remember, some of you have heard the story, the Malones that run our coffee shop, they're over our coffee ministry. I'll never forget when I heard the news that their daughter had been brutally murdered in the streets of Nampa, 2.30 in the afternoon, stabbed to death. It was a gruesome, terrible tragedy. And I remember just showing up. I, I didn't know them from Adam. I showed up, walked in the doors of the funeral home and, and I, the first person I saw, I said, hey, where can I find Bill and Vicki Malone? He goes, who are you? I said, I'm just a pastor that wants them to know that they're not, not in this alone. And he said, good luck. He said, I'm a, I'm a Mormon. And I'm the only re religious person here. And he wasn't lying. Because man, there were people that were weeping and wailing and it was not a pretty sight. And I had a 60 second awkward conversation with Vicki in which I said, I don't know you and you don't know me, but I just showed up to tell you that God's not done even in the midst of this tragedy. You gotta know that you gotta, you gotta church is praying for you and we're gonna keep praying for you. 
And I walked off thinking, well, that was dumb. Why did I do, God, why'd you have me do that? I didn't help matters at all. And yet it was two or three weeks later they showed up. Two weeks after their first Sunday, Bill gave his life to Jesus Christ. A few months later, Vicky, Vicky followed. He transformed their lives. And out, out of what we would have said was the worst possible situation. And guys, was it tragic? Absolutely. It was, it was, it was terrible. But God said, I'm not done. I'm gonna do something. Guys, I've seen God move. I've seen God save grandchildren. I've seen God save, save children that, that, that parents had thought, man, it's over. I've seen God do the impossible. I've seen him heal. I've seen him save. I've seen him provide. What David wants us to know is this, God can do anything. And, and it's important that we're hearing somebody who has this experience talk there's something powerful in the testimony of an older saint who's walked with God. I've, I've learned that when an, when an older person begins to talk about who they found God to be, I'm going to listen. I remember as a kid when my, my, my grandmother would, would show up, we would have on a, we, we had Wednesday night services at the church I attended at the, at the time, and, and she would get up and she would share her, her story, her testimony. And as, as she would do this, she would, she would laugh and cry at the same time. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know, why's she doing that? I didn't know the whole story. You see, when my, when my grandmother was 13 years old, her, her mom left her dad, left the family, and just walked away from it all. She had to drop out of school. The highest education she got was eighth grade education. She had to raise her, her younger brothers and sisters. But at the age of 15, man, feeling like the outsider, you, you, you walk with a stigma, especially in the 1920s when, the, when this took place. You have a stigma. Everybody knows your family. And yet at the age of 15, God got hold of my grandma's heart, and he changed her as a 15-year-old girl. And it wasn't that he made her life easy because it wasn't that because as time went on, she, she, she met a, a guy that was older than she was and, and she married him and he, he was a man of God too. But, but when she was in her early 40s and he was in his late 40s, my, my mother was only three years old. He, she woke up and he had died in the middle of the night of a heart attack. And she had to raise eight kids by herself and there were times that, that she would call out, God, unless you show up, we don't have a shot. God, you've got to provide. You see, we don't have money. And she would pray for kids. And, and her kids made some terrible decisions across the years. But before my grandmother died at the age of almost 102, God had saved every single one of her kids. Not only that, out of her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, the last thing I know, over 20 of them are in ministry for the Lord. This little 13-year-old girl, she, she thought her world was over when tragedy hit, but at 15, God changed her. And when she would stand up, when I was a kid, what, she knew something I didn't know. As she laughed and she cried at the same time, her, her tears were not tears of regret. Her tears were tears of gratitude. And the laughter spoke to the joy that came from belonging to God because she found out that God was who he said he was, that God could do anything. And what David is saying, what David is saying here, I want you to know a few things. I'm going to bless the name of God forever. Every day I'm going to talk about it. I can't help but talk about this. You've got to know God can do anything, but he doesn't stop there. 
We pick up our reading, uh, we, we pick up our reading in verse eight, where we read, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your work shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. And you got to understand that David had lived multiple generations. He had seen that what he's saying here, what he's testifying to, he has found it to be true. It's not just that God can do anything. It's also that God is good. God is good. When I was a kid, we'd sing that little chorus. Anybody ever remember? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. You're like, that's just a simple little chorus. But when you know God and you've walked with God and you testify to the goodness of God, you know that that little chorus is speaking to a lot of history. You, I think it's really important that we understand that if God was only great, when we say God, you know, we're talking about God's greatness, God can do anything. If God is only great, but he's not good, he's, he's a monster. Who can trust someone who has all the power in the world, but who doesn't really care, who isn't good? But then on the other hand, if, if God is, is merely good, but he's not great, he might have the greatest intentions toward us, but he can't deliver on anything. But David puts the two together. God is both great and he's good. And for this reason, I am going to bless his name forever. And what he does to talk about the goodness of God, he goes back to a passage of scripture. In fact, this is one of the most referenced most cited uh, verses in all of scripture. It's Exodus 34, six. Many, many Old Testament writers will come back and, and quote this in the New Testament. It's alluded to, it's quoted as well. And in Exodus chapter 34, to give, you, uh, to, to give you the context of what's going on, Moses is on the mountain with God. And in, in, in the time that in this, the midst of this time that he's spending with God, he asks God, to reveal himself to him. In fact, he has this big request of God. He said, show me your face. Well, God responds, nobody can see my face and live, but God makes a deal with him. And what he ends up doing is he hides Moses in a little, uh, they call it the cleft of the rock, and it says that the Lord passed by. And instead of showing his face, the Lord said, I'm going to proclaim my name. And, and as, as, as Moses was, was hidden there in this cleft, the Lord passed by. You, you see this in Exodus 34. It, God came and he proclaimed his name. And, and when you see in the Old Testament the word Lord, but it's all in, in capital letters, it's all in caps, it's not talking about you know, the, the way we understand lordship and even the way the Lord is sometimes used in the New Testament. It's actually, uh, it's, it's referring to, it's an imperfect English translation of God's real name. And it's summed up in, 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 in this, I am who I am. Jehovah, I am who I am. 
And this is what, who he declared himself to be. But then God goes on and, and verse eight actually quotes what, what he said. Here's what God said about himself. I am gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I, I, I think as, as we see this, you know, there's a lot of things. God being all knowing, all great. If he's God, he has to be that, right? Or could he really be God? But the part that, that he is merciful and gracious and gives love to us, can I just say right now, we're a bunch of jacked up people, right? I mean, look at the, look at the person sitting next to you right now. I mean, just look at them and just know that when you're looking at them, they're looking at you and we're both saying the same thing. We're imperfect people who are in need of a perfect God. And yet God, what, what he does is he doesn't just give up on you. Have you and I given God reasons to give up? Yes. And David is writing this not from the place of perfection. It's not that David has lived this perfect and upright life at all times. Had he failed God? Yes, he had failed God. But not only that, has, has David always, you know, has it been sunshine and roses for every part of the journey for David? No, his own son betrayed him, turned against him. His best friend turned against him, betrayed him. He's been on the run. He's hid in caves. This is a guy who has suffered. He's, he's suffered the consequences of sin, but then he's just suffered the stuff of life. And yet this man is looking back and he's saying, God is merciful and he's gracious. And anyone who has walked with God who doesn't just know him in a speed dating sort of way where we open our devotion, we have our little Bible reading plan, we read a few verses, oh, that's cool, and then we keep moving. I'm talking about a person who knows God. We've walked with God. We've, we've seen him walk with us through situations that, that when we face, we're scared to death. The fact that he is merciful and gracious to us is still amazing. That even when he sent his son here, yes, it was part of his plan, but, but can I tell you that, that it was our forefathers that crucified him. And, 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 and it says that even when we sin, it's like we're, we're, we're doing this again to him. And yet in spite of our sin, Romans 5, Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God was gracious to us. God was merciful to us. He's given us his grace He's given us his mercy. And if you don't know the difference, mercy is when you don't receive what you should get. It's when he withholds his, his punishment. There are times we need to have our tails kicked. You know what I'm saying? And God in his mercy withholds. Grace is when we receive what we don't deserve. And church, if you've walked with God, what you've seen is, the, the, this, is this is the blessed life. Do I have everything I want? Maybe, maybe not, it, but that's not the point. It's the blessed life. He has been there. He supplied our needs. He is both merciful, he's gracious. He speaks to his steadfast love. A few months ago, we did a deep dive on this word that's behind this. It's, it's hesed, it's a, it's a Hebrew word, and it's one of the most significant words that, that you'll find in the Old Testament, talking about his enduring love and faithfulness and his, his mercy toward us. Now, there's all, when, when we use the word love, there's all kinds of different ways we can use the word. So let's make sure that we understand how God loves us, right? Because, I mean, some of you love your dog, right? You love your dog, I love my dog. She gets on my nerves sometimes, but I love my dog. I love Zoe. Now, if you love your cat, I worry about you, but we'll pray. We'll, we'll, we'll get past that. 
Some of you love Chick-fil-A. And you're like, I'm going there after church. No, you're not, they're closed. So don't even worry about it. Don't, don't even think about it. You know, you, you love going to certain restaurants. You love be, you know, being part of certain activities. You love doing some things. You love fishing. You love your wife. And by the way, can I just say, you need to differentiate the difference between this kind of love, okay? Right, there's a difference. It's kind of like that old Brad Paisley song, I'm gonna miss her. You remember that one? Where like he shows up and his wife says, it's either fishing or me. And he's like, I'm gonna miss her. You gotta figure out what's important here, right? It's important to, to define the different types of love, but, but this, this love that is talked about here, you know, we, we've got this word that is described in Hebrew in the New Testament when it talks about the love of God. In fact, 1 John 4, 4, it says that it literally comes from him. God is love. It's his very nature, it's this, it's this word agape and, and literally what, what it means, one of the clearest definitions I've found of this is, is it's a willful delight in the object of love, which means that God, it's not that he just loves you in an emotional sort of way, he delights in you. What David is writing it's not that this is just a love that ebbs and flows. This is a love that, that delights. He has, he has felt this. He has seen this. He believes this, that God delights in the object of his love, which has some major implications. It means that God's not given up on you. Just like if you love someone, you're not giving up on them. God's not going to give up on you, which takes us to the next thing that David reveals to us about God. And that's this, as we look at verses 13 through 20, God is faithful. God is faithful. Let's pick up the last part of verse 13. The Lord is faithful in all his words, kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling, raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. There are two things in this section that I read. The first, God is faithful. Anybody been to a wedding recently? Anybody been to a wedding recently? Okay, so remember the whole vow thing. You make your vows, you know, you know the, the bride and groom are standing there, they're holding hands, looking deeply into each other's eyes. You know, and I mean, honestly, it's just, it's awesome. And they make these vows and before everyone that shows up, they tell each other, I'm gonna be here for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, as long as we both shall live. You, they make those vows. Now, when they make those vows, do they mean those vows? Probably. But we don't know the depth of the faithfulness of those vows without context, without experience. Are we really going to be there for each other in richer or for poor? Hmm. We're getting ready to kick off a, 
I haven't done a family series here in like four years. We're gonna kick that off next week. We're gonna be looking at what God says about the family starting in Genesis. Very, very interesting that it's, it's easy for us to have conditional commitment. Will you really be there in sickness and in health, forsaking all others? You see, faithfulness isn't just an intention to do something. Faithfulness is proven by the fact that we follow up with what we committed. When we talk about God being faithful, we sang that song this morning, yes and amen, all your promises are yes and amen. David is looking back and he's testifying to the fact that God is faithful. And this is a guy, he's been there. David's been in battles. He's been on the run. He's, he's been there where he needed all the things that we cry out for. And what he has found is that God is faithful. And God's faithfulness is, is, is in, is demonstrated in, in fulfilling his promises, in caring for, for his people, caring for his creation. And what David is testifying to us later in life is, man, I, I look back and you know what I found? God's faithful. He's faithful. Can, can any of you testify to that? God is faithful. I like the list that we have here beginning in verse 14. He is really specific His, in, in what God's faithfulness looks like. And guys, if you've walked with God for a while, you know this to be true. God is faithful. When we fall, he lifts us up. When when we're distressed, God restores. When we're hungry, God provides. He feeds. When we hold out our empty hands, he satisfies. When we are desperate, even when we have sinned, what does God do? He saves. He redeems. He restores. We see the fact that God is faithful. And right now, some of you might not see it. Right now, some of you might not feel it. Right now, some of you might be tempted to doubt because of what you see. But what we see is not all that there is. Because years later, David is looking back and saying, God is faithful. God is faithful. I can see what God's been doing. I love that, that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It talks about how every morning I see new mercies. This means that God is not done. There's never a time in which God's saying, you're on your own, kid. Enjoy. I'm going on vacation. No, God doesn't go on vacation. God doesn't, doesn't walk away. He loves you. He pursues you. He is for you. Now, if you are in rebellion against him, you will face those consequences. You're going to find out what it means to go up against the disapproval of God. You don't want to fight God. But for those who have served God, what do we find out? God, is, God can do anything. God is good and God is faithful. But it doesn't stop there. What I, what I also see is, is this. God well, in verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And that word righteous, it's not speaking to the fact that he is morally righteous, though he for sure is that. What it's speaking to is this. God always does the right thing. And David wants us to get this. God always does the right thing. He is righteous in all his ways. Always, not, not usually, not every once in a while, always. 
And what David is doing, he's looking back over his life, and in essence, here's what he's saying. God has a perfect track record. He might not do what I want, but he always does what is best, and he does so with kindness. What David is saying is, he's never led me astray. He's never left me alone. He's never, man, I love what, what it talks about, those who cry out to him. He not only hears, he'll answer. He, is, he does not turn a deaf ear. What David is testifying to this morning is, is this. After intimately knowing God and walking with God, I'm looking back over my life and I'm telling you, God always does the right thing. And he sums it up. He, he talks about God being near. I love those. If you put those three words together, he is near, that is such a powerful concept. The apostle Paul uses that in, in Philippians 4. Many of us know Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. And you're like, yeah, that is the one verse that's like, yeah, whatever. I can't, I can't figure that one out because are you seeing what's going on? And I'm going to tell you right now, this week has been a jacked up week. Like I'm, I know I'm not supposed to, you know, like go down rabbit trails, but I'm going to. Dude, I, I'm serious. I'm watching what's going on in Afghanistan. I'm just ticked. I'm like, seriously, I'm just, like, are you kidding me? And it's not like, I, I, I don't have any of these like expectations, like we never lose life or anything like that. But dude, what is going on? I've just, I've spent a good week, part, especially on Tuesday, man, I was just ticked. But can I tell you that my anger doesn't solve a thing? Your anger doesn't solve a thing. Then you start, man, I got, I got friends that, uh, I got two good friends, uh, both of them are missionaries. One guy went with us to the Philippines. He's on, uh, he's on oxygen in uh, Texas. Uh, he's, we're not sure what's gonna happen with him. Another buddy that I serve on a missions board with, he's one of the greatest missionary guys I know. He's, he's in Liberia right now has COVID. He's in a makeshift hospital. He, he's literally, they don't know what's going to happen. And I, I'll be honest, guys, I've, I've prayed. And then I've been praying, man, we, tragedy struck our, our, uh, our church family. And I say this, not within our church family, but connected to our church family. A young, a young mother uh, died in her sleep. And it's like, what is going on? And can I tell you that, that it's easy for us in, in times of uncertain times that we either get mad or we start stressing out a little bit. We get anxious. And that verse, don't be anxious about anything. You're like, do you see what's going on? But here's, we know that, that phrase. What we don't always put in context is verse five, Philippians 4, 5, where it says, the Lord is near, semicolon, don't be anxious about anything. It puts the two concepts together. I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid, we'd get home from whatever, and, and I knew that we'd been gone for a while, and the house was dark, and, and I didn't always want to be, as a little kid, the first guy running into the house. Like, I don't know what's there. I was going to go on. But when dad walked through the door, I'd walk through with dad, and everything was cool because I was with dad. That, that's why this he is near is so important. What David is looking back, this whole fact that God is near what David can, could do if he's reading what Paul is writing in Philippians 4, is like, yep, it's exactly what I've found. It's true. He's near to those who call on him, who don't see what's right ahead, who are angry about what's going on in their nation, who are, who are upset about what, what's going on, who are wondering what's going to happen to their kids, who are, who are stressed about where, you know, the decisions that, that family members are making that are, that are worried and concerned. He's saying, yeah, here's, here's what you need to know. He is near he is faithful. He satisfies. I even like the fact that he threw in there, he destroys the wicked. There are times I'd like to give God some, 
some places where I wanted him to start, but you know what? It's on him. I saw the fact that God knows what he's doing, and that's why none of us can say in the middle of a crisis, we can look back and we can say with absolute certainty, what is taking place, this is a terrible thing because we do not know that. God is always faithful. God always does the right thing. And what David is looking back is that even at the darkest times, even in moments where it seemed like God was a million miles away, he was near. And he did what was right, underscoring what Paul wrote in in Romans 8. All things work together for good to those. It just comes back to this, who, who know him. And you know what this leaves me with? Lose me with this. If you don't hear anything, I just want you to walk away with this. This, this, whole, this whole psalm is David looking back and, and giving God praise. I, I want us to know this. There's power in your testimony. There's power in your story. When as a kid, I would watch my grandmother share her, she would just give God praise. I didn't have any experience to gauge things on. I thought it was kind of weird that she's laughing and crying at the same time. I still haven't walked through everything my grandma walked through, but you know what? I've walked through more things than I I had at a seven-year-old kid. And what I've seen is that God shows up. And I've seen that in this day and age in which we can spend our time arguing, fighting, complaining, being angry, all of that sort of thing. Can I tell you that anger is contagious? Fear is contagious. But can I tell you this? That a testimony is contagious. As we testify to the goodness of God, as we testify to the power of God, as we testify to the faithfulness, to the righteousness of God, what we do, even in the midst of, 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 of darkness, we point to the fact that God is able and God's not done. And what happens is, is we are able by pointing people to God to give them hope. And can I tell you that right now in this day and age, people do not need your political opinion and they don't need your, your uh, opinion on vaccines and all that as much as they need your testimony. They need your testimony they need your story. Who have you found God to be? Not, not, the, not, not the speed dating story, though there's nothing wrong. Like if you've been serving God for three days, you've got something to talk about. He's changed your life. If you've been serving God for three months, you got something to testify about. But I'm talking about God uses the story of his people. And the application is this, what we've learned about God, what I've learned about God has to be shared. Listen, there's something powerful that that is taking place as I read Psalm 145. God knew if there's nobody else that needed this message, that I needed this message of the week that I was going to have, where I am, the circumstances I'm facing. I needed to be reminded by an old guy centuries later, millenniums later, that God is good, that he's faithful. He's able to do anything. He's always good. Trust him. Listen, what I've learned has to be shared. I love verse four. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And some of you think I forgot to read the last verse of Psalm 145. I didn't. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. What if we made that our focus? You know what my goal is? I am going to every single day share my story. I am every single day going to find an opportunity with somebody, some way, somehow to 
to give God praise. Now, let's be honest, don't be weird about that. Like, like you just show up like, hey, I don't know you, but let me just give God praise for what? You know, okay, just back off, start slow, work into this, right? But can I tell you that if you'll begin, one prayer God will answer is if every morning you say, God, give me an opportunity to praise your name to somebody else, I promise you, I will go on record. He will give you an opportunity to do so. The only way he won't answer that prayer is if you lock yourself in your house. And even then, if you do that, you need to testify the truth to yourself. You see, our story has to be shared. My grandfather died a couple weeks ago and we were back at the funeral. There's a lot of stories shared, a lot of stories I could share about my grand. We called him Papaw. There's a lot of stories I could share about Papaw. But one of my funny stories, my, my, my grandpa lived by this, this, great, uh, this great philosophy, go big or go home. That was his, go big or go home. Like, like he went to the, the store one day and bought a frozen pumpkin pie, came home, ate it, declared it was the best pie he'd ever had, went back to the store, bought every single pie they had, stocked his freezer. My grandma was so ticked at him. He's like, that's the best pie I've ever had. Man, you gotta have some, it's, it's amazing. Somebody gave him one of those candy, uh, the hot tamale candies, you know, those, those little red, dude gave him one of those. He was so impressed. He said, I, I still, he's like, I believe that's the best piece of candy I ever had. He went to Sam's club and bought a five pound bag. And for the next several weeks, I am not making this up. Every person that walked into his house, he would go in and he'd bring out that five pound bag. He's like, hey, put your hand in there. Get some of these out, man. So these are the best candy I've ever, you got to try some of this. My grandpa, go big or go home, he went all in on whatever he liked and he talked about it, but he went all in on Jesus and his life testified to that. And you know what? He's passed that down to me, man. I, I like to talk about my favorite teams. I like to talk about my favorite restaurants. I, they need to start paying me for sending people to, I mean, I talk about restaurants, so you guys show up there. Let, they need to like, I get a kickback, but they don't. I just like to talk about what I love. I like to talk about what I've learned, man. I want to pass it on. But can I tell you, man, I love talking about Jesus. I, what if the people of God actually believe that God is who he says is and we started pointing people to him. Can you imagine what God would do? Guys, share your story. There's power in your testimony. God gets the glory. God gets the praise. People get hope and people will be drawn to him. Share your story. An old man testifies and look what it's done here for us this morning. You testify. Look what's gonna happen when you give God praise. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done. We could, we could stand up here and tell story after story of your faithfulness and your goodness. And God, I believe that you're not done with your people. I believe that the best is yet to come for Grace Bible Church for the people that are here. And the best is not based on what we see, what we experience, because I'm convinced we're going to go through trying times. But God, I believe that you are faithful and we're going to see that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But God, who we have with us and what we know about you has to be shared. And God, I pray for each believer that is here that this week, every single day, they would lift up this same, this same testimony. I'm gonna bless your name every single day forever and ever. God, you have been good. You have been great. You've been faithful. And you're always doing the right thing. And so God, for what you're going to do as you use our stories to draw uh, families to you, men and women back to you, I wanna give you praise for this. And I thank you for what you have yet to do praying this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. guys, I can't wait to see what God has in store. So on your way out, grab some information about picnic in the park next Sunday night, 430. Hopefully you can join us. We're going to have a great time. Bring your lawn chair, bring a dish. We'll have some fun. You're dismissed. See you next week.